Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Great to see everyone this morning. Uh, It's good to get to be together. Uh, Man, what a good time of getting to worship together. Um, And just really like highlights the reality um, of how big a God we serve and how big a thing he is doing in this world. I, I don't know a Christian that would say like, nah, he's not that big and nah, he's not really doing that big of a thing. But it's so easy for us to forget, right? We just get going with our lives we get doing the things that, that are important to us and sometimes we can lose sight of just how huge, how enormous, there's not even a good word to describe it, thing that God is doing in this world. Literally bringing dead people to life, right and left, appearing to people, changing people, rewiring our desires, that is a beautiful thing. And that somehow he would choose to use us as part of that. How beautiful, what an absolute privilege. And that was one of the reasons that we decided kind of going into 2024, it would be good to take a few weeks to look at how God sent his son so that we could have a relationship with the father and how in turn Jesus sends us to go be examples of who he is, to go be salt and light in a dark world and to speak the story of Jesus so that people have an opportunity to respond. A massive, massive part of who we are as followers of Jesus is the reality that we are sent by him into the world to represent him accurately. And so we're taking a few weeks to kind of dig through this because even though, again, we'd all know that that's true, sometimes as we just go throughout our life, it's not always on the front of our mind. And so last week, Matt kind of walked through six or seven passages in the Old and New Testament that were commissions passages. They were, they were passages of scripture where God was sending out people, when Jesus was sending his followers, us, out to represent him, to preach the gospel, to let people know that there is, there is hope where it seems like there is no hope. And what he was really trying to do there, if you, if you didn't hear it, I'd recommend going back and, and listening to it. But what he was trying to do is really nail down that, yes, in case there was any confusion whatsoever, we are a sent people. That has to be ingrained in our DNA of who we are. We are on mission with Jesus. And there's no getting around that. It's not, it's not like a certain section of Christians, they're sent, but the, the rest of us, we get to kind of do what we want. No, that everyone who follows him We follow him. We do the things that are important to him. And he made a point to send us out. So if last week was answering the question, are we sent? This week is kind of getting into the question of where we are sent. Where are we sent? If we believe that Jesus has sent us out. Now, this isn't a trick question, and it is as obvious as it seems. And so, spoiler alert, right off the get-go, where are we sent? We are sent into the whole world. That's where we're sent, as followers of Jesus. Um, again, I don't know a single Christian who's been a Christian longer than five minutes that would say, no, that's not true. We're not supposed to do that. Um, We all know that to be true, but how often is it in the front of our minds? I really do believe the more I sat with this, the more I'm becoming convinced that one of the things that makes us ineffective 
as sent people by Jesus is because our view of God's love and his mission, this might seem a little like, we might prickle up at this a little bit, but our view of God's love and his mission might be smaller than it needs to be. It might be a little stunted. It might be a little short-sighted. And that when we see his care for people and his mission that he has called us to for what it's supposed to be as an all-planet encompassing endeavor, we have a much better chance of embracing his heart and fulfilling the mission that he has given us, living into that idea of being a sent person. Now, we need to establish, is this true? I mean, we're not just into just making up good-sounding ideas here at Crosspoint and just running with it. Like, we have Scripture available to us. It is the most straightforward way that God speaks to us. It can be hard to understand sometimes. I understand that. But he's written it down so that there's not a ton of confusion about what's being written down. And we have lots of resources and availability to look into it. So let's go to Scripture. Let's ask the question, is God's mission supposed to be played out on a global scale. Let's, let's settle that first before we talk about anything else. I think we'll find that the answer is a resounding yes, but where do we get that? Um, there's a few places that I want to draw our attention to that are explicitly the words of Jesus. They came out of Jesus' mouth, so we can probably trust them. I'm gonna run through them pretty quick. You can try to keep up. I don't know if you'll be able to, but, uh, but we want, I want to show that this is, in scripture many, many times. And not just out of Jesus' mouth, but also in other parts of scripture as well. Let me run through them here. Matthew 24, 14 says, this is the good news of the kingdom, that this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, very famous verse. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, 46 to 48 says, this is what was written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and look, I am sending you what my father promised, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And he says, stay in the city until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit and then get busy, get going. We see in Acts how the early church took this call to take the mission of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the gospel message to anywhere and everywhere that they could get. We see them blowing up barriers between ethnicities and language and location, and they keep going out further and further and further. We look at the life of Paul in particular, who was like a dog with a bone. He's like, the Gentiles need to hear about this. And he was really, really dead set on trying to get to Rome. Because he knew like, hey, Rome is literally like the middle of the known world. If I can get the gospel to their people come and go from Rome, the, this is where ideas come from and more and more people will get to hear the truth about the gospel. So we see Jesus say it, we see his followers live it out, not to mention the couple thousand years of Jesus followers who continue to take this seriously in more recent history. 
But even if you go back to the beginning of scripture, we find that this is an idea that just pops up halfway through the Bible. If we go back to the very beginning, we find God charging Adam and Eve to partner with him, him as king, but to partner with him to uh, oversee the world. There's a, there's a totality in the language. He rattles off all these different kinds of animals, and he was like, mankind's gonna rule over all of them. In Abraham, we see a similar situation. Right after he proved himself faithful to God by being willing to give up his, his one and only son that God gave him, God says this, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And this is the really good part. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Talking about Jesus would come from his offspring. And through Jesus, all people, all places could be blessed because you obeyed my voice. Now, it seems very clear, very straightforward that the mission of Jesus encompasses the entire globe. And if it is also true that Jesus uses us to accomplish that mission, then our view of it needs to be just as big. And that's what we're getting at today. Is our view of Jesus' mission in this world, is it as big as it deserves to be? Are we seeing what God has called us to in, this, in the correct scope of how far this thing reaches? It's not always something that comes naturally to us, but is it something that we're getting after? There's been lots of efforts to try to like give some clarity to this because this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but it's not always how us following Jesus works itself out to have that big of a picture of Jesus' mission. And so there's been an effort to like refine the term and I'll be really honest, none of them are that helpful, but together they might kind of get us headed in the right direction. There's this term that popped up, kind of gained some popularity in the 50s called uh, a world Christian. That was like a label that was put on people, a world Christian. They always make it, they're a little cheesy. They always make sure that you know, we're not saying worldly Christian, that's bad. A world Christian somebody who has the whole world on their mind when it comes to the mission of Jesus. Another term that people use uh, is a a global Christian, someone who understands that the whole globe kind of comes in under the mission of Jesus. And really simply what those terms are trying to get down to is that these are people who are keenly and consistently aware of the scope of Jesus' mission and where it takes place. These are people who are embracing the bigness of the mission that God has given us. And I do believe that if we are going to be effective in being a people who are sent, embracing the mission that Jesus has given each and every one of his followers to represent him well, to speak his truth, to be a compelling witness of what he can do in a person's life. If we're gonna do that, I do think we need to work hard to be global Christians, to be people who see the mission for as big as it actually is. Because I don't wanna minimize who God is. And I don't wanna minimize where he wants to go. And I don't wanna minimize how much he loves people just because it's not what makes sense to me or it's not what's right in front of me. And so I don't know if there's a ton left that needs to be said about that. Like, Either we will choose to believe that yes, being a global 
that, that the mission of Jesus exists on the stage of the entire globe, we'll either agree, yes, that's true, or we'll flat out say, no, we don't agree with that. I can't make that decision for you. I think scripture is really, really clear. So we just gotta decide, are we gonna believe that or are we not? But what I wanna do for the rest of our time is have a conversation I think could be actually a little more fruitful around that, uh, which is if that's true, then what does it mean for how we function? If it's true that the mission of Jesus exists on a global scale and we need to see it that big, then how does that affect what we do, how we see people, and how we see his mission? I think there's some therefores, some if-thens that would be really helpful for us uh, as we wrestle with this idea. Now, this isn't like exhaustive. I'm sure there's a bunch more, but I think these are a few that could be helpful to us this morning, and I wanna work through them together. So if it's true that the mission of Jesus is played out on a global, worldwide, full-encompassing scale, if that's true, then the family of God is much bigger than we sometimes realize. If it's true that the mission of God is happening with all people, in all places, it means there are tons of people in tons of places coming to know Jesus, which means they're a part of our family. Scripture gives the picture of family as the defining picture of the church as we relate to each other. We've talked about that before here. Church is not, hey, we believe the same things or we rally around the same ideas, and that's all it needs to be. We gather in the same places and we sing the same songs together and that's all that needs to be. Like we answer the same five questions every week when we get together in a smaller group and that's all it needs to be. Like we are meant to see that, that there is this supernatural spiritual connection for every single person who chooses to put their faith in Jesus and it makes us a family. Now that is all over the pages of the Bible. Let me point you to one verse in particular that just outright says it so that we can settle that. Galatians 6.10 says, so then as we have every opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household, other translations say family of faith. Tons of language about God being our father, tons of language about us being brothers and sisters. And so if it's true that we are family, then that's a big family. If we believe that the mission exists on a global scale, it means that our family exists on a global scale. It's larger in number than we realize sometimes. It's farther reaching in geography and culture. It includes more kinds of people than we might think it includes, and it is far messier than most of us are comfortable with sometimes. But how often do we think about the family of God that big? How often do we think of the family of God as a global family? And hear me out, like there's no judgment here because I think it's incredibly easy for us to just think about what's either right in front of us, what we can see, or what's most important to us. I think we all struggle with that. It is hard to maintain perspective in all things in life. And I think that even sneaks its way into our view of the family of God. I think that because it sneaks into the way I see my own family. I, I don't know uh, if, if people grew up doing family reunions. My family, both sides of my family were like super into family reunions for some reason. And like a few times a year, they'd like gather together and they like rent out this like musty, weird smelling like old hall somewhere. And all these people would come together and there'd be like, 
all these relatives that you knew, and then there'd be a bunch of relatives you didn't know, and then there'd be these people where you're like, I'm pretty sure you're not even related to us, but somehow you're like an uncle or aunt that's in the mix. And we'd come together for a few days, they'd eat food, they'd laugh, they'd play games, they'd always make the kids do a presentation. Am I the only one who ever got stuck doing that? Maybe I am. Okay, you're like, oh, weirdos. You're right, it was weird. They'd always make you do some kind of song or presentation or something. Um, but we'd go and we'd have that. And as I think back on those experiences, I, I never gave a single thought to most of those people a second before I walked into that building. And I never gave them another thought a second after I left. You know what I'm saying? They were, they were people who I was related to. They were, you could genuinely say they were my family, but I did not give them a second thought until they were right in front of me. And as soon as they were gone, I never thought of them again. I struggle with that sometimes, even with the family that's actually like really important to me. Um, a, lot, a lot of you know this, Megan and I, we don't have any family in Modesto. Like the closest, literally the closest family we have is in Wyoming, it's like a 40 hour drive. So our family is kind of this little unit and we only see our extended family, grandparents, bro my brother, her sisters, like a couple times a year. And that's fine, that's totally fine. I'm actually good with that. But there, there are times, and I'm sorry mom and dad, I know you watch this sometimes, there are times where I kind of forget about them. I'm like, oh yeah, I have parents. <laughs> My kids have grandparents and I have a brother who lives in North Dakota. Oh, okay, I should think about them. And it's because they're not right in front of me. Where does most of my time and effort and energy get spent? On Megan and all my kids. My kids are in front of me even when I wish they weren't in front of me. There's no way to ignore them, right? But I think we do the same kind of thing when it comes to our spiritual family. It's supposed to, like this idea of spiritual family is supposed to have teeth. It's supposed to have weight. But very often, we just think about the people that we see when we walk in here, if that sometimes. The people we have in our small group or the people that we run, the, run in the same circles with. And we forget about the much, much bigger family that we have. Man, there are hundreds, I bet literally hundreds of churches in Modesto gathering together right now. They might do things a little different than us. They might have their own set of problems than us. But you know what scripture makes clear? There are brothers and sisters. There are family. The ones that look just like us and the ones who look really different than us. There are people on the other side of the planet who will gather together and worship either just before us or just after, however the time difference works. And they're not just people doing their thing out there. They're not just Christians kind of doing their Christian life there. If we really see this mission for the global impact that it is, like those people are our brothers and sisters. And let's be real. We would do a lot for our brothers and sisters. We do a lot for our family. We would travel far for our family we would give what we could for our family. We would encourage and love. We would endure cost for our family. What better way to keep our mind on a big global picture of God's mission than to choose to see our family all across this world? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that is given to us that I think sometimes is easy for us to ignore. But if we're really going to live as global Christians, we need to realize like our family is way, way bigger than we think. And I believe it'll change how we see them. 
It'll change how we see Christian Central Americans who skip the border. And we need to figure out what to do with that. If we see them not just as a statistic or a problem or the best thing ever, depending on where you land and what you think about all that, but we see them as a brother or sister in Christ, because that happens a lot. It'll change how we deal with a person who doesn't have a home right now and maybe is struggling with a lot, but loves Jesus and is trying to figure it out. We'll see them less as a, a, an issue to solve or a one-time-off uh, way to meet a need, but we'll see them as a brother or sister, like who's a part of our family. All of a sudden, all these divides, all of a sudden, all of these things start to come down, and, and, and I, I think it helps us grasp a much, much clearer view of how important it is that we step into this mission with our whole heart. And so what I wanna do before I move any further, it's actually very clunky and it's not a good flow of service. It's not good for planning things. But I think it would be bad for us to get past this moment without taking a second. Is uh, typically at the end of our service is when we usually will take communion. And the reason we do that is because you know, we get to hear the truth about who Jesus is, what he wants for our life, and then we have an opportunity to thank him for what he's done. But there's also this reality. I was so struck by this as I was working through this. There's this, there's this reality that there are people all over the world, there are people all over this community right now literally doing the exact same thing that God says that we're brothers and sisters with. There's people all over the world that have or will be doing this thing. And there is some kind of mystery spiritual link between us. And if you wanna get weird about it, even the people who have come before us through time, over the last 2,000 years, people have gathered around the cup and the bread to remember what Jesus has done. And that has impact for us as individuals, but it also gives us an opportunity to be part of a family. We all know that to be true. So I thought it would be helpful for us today just to really like nail this home, to take communion together, thanking Jesus for what he's done, but also recognizing that we have literal family all over the planet, millions doing the exact same thing. How could we see things so small? How could we have tunnel vision if we recognize that there are people all over the place doing this exact same thing together because we've all been saved by Jesus and we are all pursuing a love, a deeper love for him. So the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. You're welcome to take yours. He took the bread and, uh, and he broke it and he said, just like this bread is broken, my body is gonna be broken. And because of that sacrifice, you'll actually be able to have a healed relationship with God. And the beautiful thing that we can see all these years later is that was meant for us, but it also is meant for every other person who looks like us or not, seems like us or not, understands where we're at or not, that that truth is available for each and every one of them as well. So as we take the bread this morning, let's remember what Jesus has done and, and, and recognize that it is for all people in all places. Let's take the bread together. Then he takes the cup, he passes it around, and he said, like this wine is poured out of this cup, my blood is gonna be poured out. And it's actually gonna make you clean. It's actually gonna make you pure. It's gonna, it's gonna enable you to stand blameless before the Father. So every time you drink of this cup, do it and remember me. We can recognize that that blood was poured out not just for us here today, it was, 
but for all people in all places. Let's take the cup together. The second thing I wanna draw our attention to, uh, a therefore and if then, uh, if, if the mission of Jesus exists on a global scale, if it's probably a little bit bigger than we think, uh, then this is also true. The mission is much more far-reaching than we realize sometimes. Because the mission exists to reach the whole world, then this is also true, there's nothing left out. Every single place you find yourself we know this to be true, is a part of the world. So every single place that we are is where the mission is carried out. And so it doesn't really matter where, the mission exists everywhere. So that includes in our own home with our own family, it includes across the street, and it includes to the other side of the planet. And I think it's important to mention because, again, it can be hard to maintain that big of a picture, that size of scope. And oftentimes, I think this is what ends up happening. Um, and I think, I think we've been guilty of this in the past, and, and I think uh, that many churches struggle with this. Um, and it's not malicious by any stretch of the imagination. I just think this is something that can end up happening. Um, I'm really grateful that I've gotten the opportunity to see a lot of different kinds of churches. Um, from growing up, uh, traveling from a college, Megan and I traveled to first year married. We went to a different church literally every weekend, which helped my picture of the family big time. But it also, um, <clears throat> I was also part of a denomination, so I got to see what a lot of other churches, how they handled things. And oftentimes what seems to happen is uh, churches tend to pick one focus or the other and sometimes have a hard time embracing the whole thing. And here's what I mean. I know lots of churches who are all about the international, global, foreign, whatever word you want to use to describe that. They are all about fulfilling the mission of Jesus on that platform. They send missionaries, they train missionaries, they send a lot of money and resources, and that's awesome. And then they don't do anything locally. Kind of all their time and effort and resources go to that endeavor. And then I know a bunch of other churches who barely are involved in the international kind of global mission of Jesus and focus all their time and attention on, a, on just what's right in front of them. Like literally to the point where they're like, we are sectioning off like these six blocks and that's all we're focusing on. That's all we care about. And I don't think either of them are, like I said, malicious or they're, it comes from bad intentions. I just think it can be really hard for us to live in a tension that says this matters a lot to God and this matters a lot to God. And so we are going to pursue both. Now, have I ever seen a church that does it perfect? I'll be honest, no. We tend to lean one way or the other depending on how we're put together and what's most important to us and even what God has revealed to us to try to course correct because we've been ignoring the other side. But I do think one of the things that can be really helpful to us is that if we recognize that the mission of Jesus encompasses all people in all places, that means we can't ignore the people who are on the other side of the world and we can't ignore the people who are in this room. We can't ignore the people who are across town and we can't ignore those that have zero access to the gospel somewhere else. We can't ignore the people who honestly have heard about Jesus but never actually heard really what Jesus is about. 
as well as the people who literally have never heard the name before. We don't get the luxury of deciding which one matters and which one doesn't. And I actually think this global, this idea of being a global Christian is really helpful to us because it keeps us balanced. There's people in this room who are so good at doing ministry, at fulfilling the mission of Jesus as they walk through their day. You go to work, you're an awesome representation of Jesus. You look for opportunities where God has given you the go-ahead in people's lives and you take them. Like you're involved in stuff that makes big impact in the world in which you live. And you would never ever be willing to step outside of that. Being a global Christian says you don't get to do that. Same is true on the other side. There are a lot of people, maybe some in this room, I know there's a few watching from Uganda, or they watched last service anyway, um, who God has put together with a tolerance or an excitement or a passion, whatever you wanna say, to go to hard places, weird places, difficult places, unusual places to them, to make sure that people hear the truth of the gospel, to hear about what Jesus has done. And that's awesome. That's how God maybe put them together to be really good at that. But they also can't ignore the people that they're running into day in and day out when they're here. Allison and Dylan, two people that, we, that are kind of trying to figure out where God would have them go long-term. They're in Uganda right now. They're gonna come back. And if they came back and Dylan worked at the architect office and Allison worked at Culture Coffee and they decided, oh, mission for Jesus doesn't happen in these settings, they would be wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we see ourselves as global Christians, we don't get to be lazy in either category. Everywhere is in the world. So everywhere is an opportunity for mission. Are we willing to step into it? Jesus says it really straightforward in uh, Acts chapter one. He gives us kind of a good picture. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's mentioning everywhere. I don't think he's saying like do it exactly in that order, but he's saying there is no place untouched. Understand my mission goes much further than you might realize. Last one I wanna mention. Um, and it's a little, it's kind of short, but I just, I just think it's worth mentioning. That if we are going to live as global Christians, if it's true that, the, that the, the setting for the mission that God has for us is the entire world, and we wanna see it that big, is that we as Christians don't get the luxury of compartmentalizing the mission. That can be really, really hard for us to do here. Especially here, I think. Because churches have done an awesome job at providing opportunities for us to step into the mission, but an unintended consequence very often is then we think the mission can only happen in those settings, right? When we tell the students, hey, we're going on mission trips, a ton of them are like, cool, I wanna go do something for the Lord. And when I tell them, hey, you're in your classroom every single day, oh, but I wanna do that part for the Lord. <laughs> and I'm not picking on them, we do it too. We're like, ministry opportunities that are organized by my church, that's where the mission happens. Or Sunday morning is where the mission happens. Or when I have free time is where the mission happens. Jesus, you can have these parts of my life, but don't mess with this one. I have this part set aside for self-care. I have this part set aside for margin. Or I have this part set aside for vacation. Or I have this part set aside for just me time. When we do that, we are minimizing the mission. And no wonder it's not very compelling to us. So I think one of the things that we 
have to be intentional to work at is making sure that when we look out into this world, as we walk into it, we don't fall into that trap of compartmentalizing where God wants us to do something and when. It's just a big, wide open yes. Like, what if we said yes first and then said, God, if I'm not supposed to do this, you let me know. Like, what if we said, God, you can have, like we just saying, you can have it all, all of it. And then if there's some things you want me to take backward steps on, I'll do that. But I am fully available to what you want. And if that means I have to go across the street and have a conversation with my neighbor that I really don't want to because it makes my life really difficult, or if that means that I go uproot my family and go to the other side of the planet, I don't care where it happens, I just wanna be a part of your mission. And I see that it encompasses all people and all places. We wanna be faithful, we wanna be effective for the kingdom. And keeping a globe-sized view of our family and mission doesn't always come naturally to us. It takes intentionality to see things this way and even more so to act this way. So this isn't about a location, it's about how we see things, how we see the world, how we see ourselves, how we see the God who calls us and what he calls us to. It's this heart shift to see every moment as an opportunity to step into the mission that he gives. It's being intentional to try to embrace even a fraction of the same love God has for all people in all places. And I think if we can keep our eyes on the big picture, like pun intended, big global picture, if we can do that, we actually will be much more effective in the mission that he's called us to be a part of. So as we wrap it up today, uh, what I wanna do is uh, we have an opportunity to hear about someone who was willing to step into uh, the big picture mission that God has given us um, and offer an opportunity maybe for some others that might wanna step in in this way. And so I'd like to invite up Phil Schmidt, um, he has uh, been a part of our church for a while now, and he's taken a number of trips. Uh, he's going to share the details of that. I won't step on his toes there, but his wife is Candace. She works here at the church, and uh, he's just an example of someone who said yes to, to God wherever that took him and whatever that looked like, and uh, we want to give him an opportunity to share that as well as an opportunity maybe for you to step into. So, Phil, take it away. Thank you, Pastor Kyle. Uh, like he said, my name is uh, Phil Schmidt. My wife over there is uh, Candace Schmidt. She was up here a couple of weeks ago talking about the uh, upgrades to the website. She's a communications director here at Crosspoint. And I gotta say first, I forgot to mention this in the first service. It is so great. We've only been here for a few years, but the pastoral staff, um, the uh, outreach staff has been so welcoming to this new missions opportunity because um, I'm just some guy. I'm just some guy who said yes back in 2009 because I was back out there in my church at the time, just like you guys are right now, and I heard a similar message about going, listening to the Great Commission and actually going somewhere to spread the news of salvation. And I did not want to go. I did not want to go at all. I knew it was gonna be good for me, I knew that I should, but I didn't know if I was that guy to go and do that sort of thing. I didn't know if I could handle the stress or if I'd be flexible enough. I'd never been out of the country before. I was 24 years old, never left the country. And so I did say yes, and thank God I did. And literally, thank you God uh, for pushing me to do that, uh, giving me a little kick in the backside. Uh, my sister helped with that too, because that year we had a small group from our church who was deciding 
okay, we need to finally step out and actually send a team to go on a missions trip. I came from a much smaller church than Crosspoint, so we didn't have a whole lot of global missions involvement. But from that one time saying yes back in 2009, it's led to me going back, uh, this will be my 14th year going back. First two years, this is a team member, and then starting in 2012, my sister and I became uh, team leaders for these mission trips. And uh, we've done, I'd say, let's see, I think it's 22 camps so far over there. So what do we do? Well, this ties in perfectly with Pastor Kyle's message about the uh, spiritual family of God, the global family of God. Because we go with an organization called Spiritual Orphans Network that's been in operation since the early 90s, since the fall of the Soviet Union. And the reason we're called Spiritual Orphans Network is because once the Soviet Union fell, there was an entire generation who were basically orphaned. Not literal physical orphans, but they were spiritual orphans because they were not raised in the faith. Legally, they couldn't be raised in their faith. So they didn't have parents or grandparents or the older generations to teach them about Jesus Christ and his love for us and how there are people all over the world who believed in this as well. So what we do is we go to different uh, former Eastern uh, Soviet uh, bloc countries. And one of the things we do is English Bible camps because it's something that for us Americans, it's something we can kind of grab onto. Like what kind of a mission trip is this? Well, basically, you go over there for a couple weeks and you do some vacation Bible camps because that's something that we kind of get over here. We teach the story, uh, the Bible story of the week. We connect it to the story of salvation through Jesus. Uh, we play sports and games like you see out there. Uh, we do skits with the kids. We have music. We have crafts and such. And in terms of requirements to go, well, someone has to you know, have a love for Jesus. Someone has to be willing to be uh, flexible because it is international travel. We have to change plans sometimes. Um, be able to walk a few miles a day, go up and down stairs, but that's kind of it in terms of requirements. Uh, sometimes we have teachers go with us, but you do not have to be a teacher. Most of our team members, in fact, are not teachers. But if you could walk a few miles a day, you can be a flexible person. You like working with kids. You got a love for Jesus. We would love to have you with us. This year, we're going to be going from July 4th to July 22nd. Uh, last year, we had Alex and TJ Harnung from, uh, from Crosspoint go with us. And once they came back, they moved to Southern California. But that was not on me. That was not my fault. They had a good experience on the trip, I promise. Um, and we'd love to have some of you guys with us this year. I'm gonna be over in the Welcome Center along with my wife, Candace, because she actually went one time a couple years ago so she can share the experiences of what it's like to go as a team member. And I'd be happy to answer any questions you might possibly have about Slovakia, about what it is you would be doing there, um, you know, fears or concerns or stresses you might have, because I don't know everything, but after going for 14 years, um, I know a few things about the trip. Perfect, man. Thank you so much, Phil. I, I love when you share this last service too. Um, it wasn't so much that you like, there's great impact being done through what your teams are doing, but, but the reason that God is blessing that isn't because we have all this talent that we're taking. It's because you were willing to, to say yes when he laid something in front of you. And, and I, I trust that you would have been willing to say yes if that was something that landed you smack dab in a neighborhood and, and does at times or the other side of the world. And so that's, that's really gets at the heart of like what being a global Christian is, is it seeing 
anywhere, all people, everywhere. Um, and this might be an excellent opportunity for you to step into that if God is kind of leading you that way. And so you'll be at the Welcome Center after the service. We'd recommend go talk to him, see how you could be involved, maybe going or supporting or praying. All of that are things that we can do to maintain that big global perspective of what God is doing here and around the world. I just want to mention one other thing, and then we're going to pray and we'll get out of here. Uh, we do have a baptism workshop. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have yet to take that step, public step of baptism to say, uh, Jesus is my king and I want everyone to know it and I want you guys to keep me accountable in that. Um, we would love to talk with you about that, what that looks like. We have a, a workshop coming up on the 28th and February 4th uh, for you to learn more about that so you know what you're getting into. And so you're welcome to go to cpbanessa.org uh, slash baptism and uh, we'll, we'll be in contact with you to make that happen. Uh, I'd invite the prayer team to come forward. That's how we close every service. Man, if you need to talk through something, pray through something, uh, if you're here today and you're like, man, that idea of family is really compelling to me and I know that I'm not a part of this spiritual family you're talking about and you wanna take that step this morning, we would absolutely love to bring some clarity to that and to help walk you through that. There's nothing better than being a part of this family God's given us and the mission that he's called us to. Uh, so let me pray for us and then uh, we'll dismiss. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing, how you're doing it, and that you include us in it. God, we ask that we would follow you uh, with abandon, God, that we would not hold anything back, that we would not say, oh, only certain parts of this get to be a part of what you're doing. Uh, but Lord, we ask that you would remind us of just what a big thing we're a part of, what a big family we're a part of, what a big mission we're a part of, and that we need to go after it. There's no time to waste. There's no time to mess around. Whether that takes us across the street or for some, maybe across the world. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much that you are absolutely trustworthy and would our life reflect that? In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. Thank you.